For those of you who can stand as we read God's Word. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna, the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. You may be seated. <clears throat> there are 300 plus prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus Christ. And as Robbie pointed out, the Gospels focus one-third of their attention to this week. Because this is the week that was planned in eternity past. This is the week in which Jesus speaks to God before He enters this earth, given to us in Hebrews chapter 10, when He says, You have prepared a body for me, O Lord. That was the last conversation Jesus had with the Father in heaven. And he knows that he comes because a body has been prepared that is a body to be a sacrifice and a sacrifice for us. Everything that has happened from Genesis until this point all leads up to this point and to this week. That's why this week is so carefully detailed it is a week in which Jesus is in complete control of everything that happens. So much so that he actually is guiding even the religious leaders to the point where they have to crucify him on the Passover day, which is what he came to be, the body that represented the Passover lamb you see, for us. On that one day alone, 33 Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled. 33. When we look at this week, we have to realize in this Passion Week that we call it, we call it the Passion of Christ because as He said, He set His heart and His mind like a flint to go to Jerusalem because this was why He came. On Sunday was the triumphal entry. Today, Monday, highlight is the cleansing of the temple and some other things we will look at. Tuesday is the withered fig tree which represents the nation of Israel that had withered and borne no fruit. 
That's also the day that he spent time in the temple and he answered every question that every religious leader could throw at him and he answered them until they could have, they had no more questions to ask. Until he asked them a question and they couldn't answer it. Wednesday is a quiet day. It is a day that we don't have any activity of Jesus, but this is the day Judas makes his deal with the religious leaders to betray Jesus. If that night was the night in which Jesus was also anointed for his burial. Thursday is the day of the Last Supper and all that happens, the inauguration of the new covenant. And then Friday is the day early, early in the morning of his arrest the six different trials that he went through, his crucifixion and his burial. Saturday is the day of rest, and he rests in the tomb. And Sunday, as we will celebrate next week, is the day he rose for us. But let's look at this day, because this day has a crucial importance. As you can see, we're focusing in the sermon here on the king's authority. And as Jesus has entered as a king in authority, they were declaring him son of David with palm branches, which was a symbol to them of nationalism. When the Maccabees had declared themselves independent of Rome for a brief period of time, the coins they printed had palm leaves on the back, which saying, we are our own independent nation. And so the palm leaf had a meaning nationally, politically to them. And that's why they're placing palm branches in the road in front of Jesus and calling him son of David. But on this day, he goes straight to the heart of the nation, its magnificent temple. Even in Rome, the temple was spoken of as one of the greatest buildings in the Roman world, one of its great buildings. He goes straight there. He doesn't go to the king's palace, Herod. He doesn't go to the governor's place. He goes to the heart of Israel, which is the temple. And as we read in this, uh, this is the place where God had said, I'm going to place my name here. He told Abraham and Moses, there's a place I will put my name. And he told David, I want you to build here for this is where my name is, right? And so Jesus comes to that place and all these actions then crescendo and continue to move forward to Jesus showing his authorities. This day, this special day, we see three things that happen in this very short point that all point to the magnificent authority that he is displaying. As he enters this temple and forcefully throws out all those who had turned the temple into a commercial cash flow place, 
The money changing was exorbitant interest. The, if you didn't bring the right sacrifice, they would take your sacrifice and put it in the back and then give you one of theirs and they would charge you extra uh, interest in providing their sacrifice for you. And then later when someone else came along, they'd pull the one out the other guy brought and offer it as a perfect a sacrifice. It was total commercialism and total thievery. And therefore Jesus quotes uh, Zechariah when he said, you have made this a den of robbers. And that's why his anger and he throws them out and turns over all their tables and chairs and ran them out of the temple, demonstrating the fact that he had the authority to do so. And interestingly enough, isn't it, no one opposed him because they recognized he had that authority. But immediately at this point, and here's the second thing that we see in this interesting story. It's, it's a little segment, one sentence only, that only Matthew puts in, this, in the story. And it says, and, always meaning immediately after, as soon as all of this power play, those who thought they were exercising their own authorities in the temple are gone, it says immediately the lame and the blind came into the temple. They were excluded because they were seen as, uh, as less than. They were excluded from worship in most cases. And Jesus, now they come in to see Jesus and it says he healed them all. You see, he had the authority as king, authority over everything. Can you imagine, I don't know that we can, to think when, if I couldn't see my entire life and Jesus simply touches me and the world totally changes? If I had been crippled all of my life and couldn't walk straight and suddenly I'm able to walk and leap? And Jesus did this because he was indignant toward those who would exclude anyone from coming to the worship of his Father. But in this place, it's the one place Jesus really, in a sense, says he's God because he said, my house, twice, my house is to be a house of prayer. He's simply claiming, I'm the one to be worshiped. And then there's one last little point that comes out in this section, and it has to do with the little children. Now he quotes a passage that speaks of babes, but children would have been in the temple because at the age of 12, they could come for the first time and have their bar mitzvahs or mitzvahs. And this is when they were declared as adults and they could literally come in and worship as an adult. So there were young people in the temple. This seems to be the most significant thing to the religious leaders. Because once 
the children begin to sing and shout. It says, shout, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna. They are crying out in the temple, in the highest possible place of authority for all the Jews to recognize. This is the son of David, the one to whom it's promised would be the Messiah. And Hosea was pointed out in yesterday's sermon means, save us now. That's what it meant, save us now. And the authorities immediately jump on this and it says they were indignant. And they said, do you hear what they're saying? That's what incensed them. They are saying, you are the Messiah. You are the one who's come. You are our King. That's what incensed them. They couldn't stand the fact that it was being said in, quote, their house, which is how they saw it, which is why they had allowed all the commercialism, because they got a cut out of all of it, you see? And so he quotes them out of Psalm 8. And in Psalm 8, he says this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. For the mouths of infants and babes, you have from them established strength. And notice they say, have you, do you hear what they're saying? And Jesus in a sense says to them, no, but do you hear what God's word says? Have you not read to the most learned people and scholars of the day? Yes, they had read it, but they hadn't heard it. And Jesus is saying to them, how majestic is their voices to me because I am the king. I am God. And it said they left and went away considering how can we destroy him? That was just Monday and he's in control of the rest of the week. How can we think about this for ourselves? I don't know about you, but kind of like Christmas, Christmas is always hard to get into the, the fun and joy and real glory and splendor of Christ's birth until about, you know, maybe 10 days before. And there are just enough things that continue to happen. I can't get into it with the day after Thanksgiving hearing chestnuts roasting in an open fireplace. I just can't get into it. I can't get into all the lights that are already up. I don't even like to look at them. But it seems like it takes a little bit of time for that to begin to work into my heart until I'm finally ready to really think about the beauty of the birth of Christ. 
That's what this week's all about. That's what this week. If you're anything like me, life just flies by. Thousand things to do. But all of a sudden, this week, even the newspapers speak of Palm Sunday. Imagine the Dallas Morning News putting this Palm Sunday on the front. Um, and the week begins to start having an impact in our country and literally around the whole world. And so three things happen this day that I think will also help us as we move our hearts into the worship of this God. First, remember, he enters into the temple to cleanse it. And that is the first thing. When we come to this time to realize that the focus is to get our hearts right before God and all that he has done. He has come to this house, my house, because it needed cleansing from sin. As the scripture says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And we know we do. We try very hard to keep them confessed. And yet it's a, re a reminder to us of what this week is actually leading to. And that is the ultimate final sacrifice for our sins. You see, as Hebrews says, if the blood of bulls and goats could have cleansed them, they would have stopped, but they had to keep bringing sacrifices. Jesus is the final sacrifice. And we need to realize it's the sacrifice for us. Secondly, to remind ourselves that everyone is welcome. There is nothing in your life, in my life, that can keep me or you from him. We can be passive and our walk is lame spiritually. We can be blind to things that we need to see spiritually, but Jesus healed them all. Nothing should keep us from that joy. And finally, the king calls us to praise him. Just like little children who are totally unhindered in their praise. Yesterday I had the privilege of baptizing my great nephew. Everything went fine to about the last 10 seconds. And then he decided he'd had enough. And he screamed out loud. And um, it was funny, everybody laughed and what have you. But I thought, you know, isn't it interesting, children really have no problem expressing themselves. When and wherever they are, that's the kind of praise that God wants. And we will praise Him in every possible way. How majestic is Thy name, O Lord, in all the earth. May out of my mouth 
like babes and infants. Come, hear praise. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, touched in our hearts for the beauty of what was accomplished in simply your second day of your last week. Thank you that cleansing is offered freely. Thank you that healing is offered freely. Therefore, we come and offer praise freely to your great and glorious name. In Christ's name we pray, amen.